generalized oppression that we're not all aware of. Um, and it's not something that's just specific to Filipinos. A lot of people who are from um, cultural and heritage Culturally, cultures and heritages that have um, been impacted by colonialism in the past all suffer from different types of uh, results from colonial mentality. Um, and it's just like a very interesting concept. My frame, my, like thinking of it is very much centered around mental health utilization and... Hey everyone, welcome to Kasama's Rise Up. Um... My name is Chachi, your host for this podcast narrative documentary show. And today, I wanted to bring a Sakata descendant here today. I'm really grateful that I was able to connect with them through social media. And one thing that I wanted to add on, and something really new that I've been wanting to learn lately is um, before we even start introduction, I wanted to call in our ancestors, call in those who came before us to be here today and to to just um, be here as we have this conversation about culture and identity and just the topic of home, uh, homebound. So today, um, if I can have our guests uh, give a little brief introduction about who they are um, and what and who and what are you bringing with us today? Uh, yeah, sweet. Thank you. Uh, my name is Aljun Villahermosa II. Um, <clears throat> I also go by my nickname, AJ. I uh, use he, him pronouns. I am from Honolulu, Hawaii, or born and raised in Kalihi and Waikale. Um, and so, who am I bringing here today? Uh, essentially, I'm bringing two people. Uh, both of them are my late grandfathers. Um, first one is uh, Robert Villahermosa, my paternal grandfather. He uh, just amazing person, um, but is also the descendant, direct descendant of a Sakata that immigrated to Hawaii in, I believe it was the 1920s. Um, and then my maternal grandfather, Amonio Dakanai, um, he passed actually during my freshman year of college up here, while I was up here in Washington. Um, and so a lot of the reasons as to why I'm going into public health and studying this work is because of him and because of the health issues that he faced during his life, um, particularly at the later stages. Um, but yeah, I carry them into this conversation with me in addition to my, I, I guess, two more people, uh, my great-grandparents, uh, <clears throat> Pellegrin and Felicima Villahermosa, who were the cicadas on my paternal side and who immigrated to Hawaii um, and brought pretty much my entire family to the United States and without their sacrifice, I would not be here. Um, let me just add on another person. <laughs> um, he's currently alive. Uh, he is my maternal grand uncle. He's my um, grandma's oldest brother or one of her oldest brothers. And he was one of the last Sakatas that came to Hawaii in 1946. Is also the reason why my family is in the United States today. Um, and yeah, I guess I carry five people into this conversation with me. And I'm very grateful for the sacrifices and the things that they've taught me, even though I didn't know most of them, or like at least half of them. Yeah. 
the other three definitely taught me a lot and brought me to where I am today. Thank you. Thank you for bringing your family members here, those who were alive and those who have passed to this conversation. And I think even just the amount of excitement and just in your voice, I could tell that this is going to be a conversation to to really reflect on. Um, So as we get started, um, I kind of wanted to ask, um, how was it like for you growing up and growing up here in Hawaii? In Hawaii, to be honest, I had a very, I'd say, cushy lifestyle. I had a very comfortable lifestyle growing up because of the work and effort that my parents put in to create their own business and were able to provide me with the opportunity to go to private school and then later charter school. Um, and then they were just able to provide for me to do to pursue any opportunity that I was interested in. Um, I know that it's an experience that a lot of people, specifically Filipinos in Hawaii, have always had. I know that I carry a lot of privilege in those aspects and I'm very grateful for those things. But definitely growing up in Hawaii, there is a different... Growing up in Hawaii and being Filipino-American was a very interesting upbringing because growing up, I had a very confusing relationship with my own ethnic identity, being Filipino, uh, being Visayan, being being Ilocano, um, just not very, being very in touch with my culture growing up and because of the fact that my parents are always like we don't want you to grow up having an accent we want you to be as american as possible and that was something that that was like pushed onto them from my grandparents because of the things that they had to deal with being immigrants in hawaii and just navigating that weird situation of being a part of the diaspora in addition to not understanding my own cultural heritage roots and having that linguistic connection was a lot harder to come to terms with later on in life, specifically as an adult here in college. Um, Because I can talk about being Filipino, but I don't actually know what it means to be like Filipino and in touch with my heritage in that way. Yeah. (laughs) Really understand. And I want to kind of bring up what and want to highlight something that you brought up. And it is this um, idea the fact that you mentioned that um, I really don't know what it means to be Filipino because I'm not in touch with the culture and heritage, uh, kind of like bringing that back. When was the first time you um, kind of like came to um, learn about your culture? I want to learn more about my culture. I mean, can't say that I wasn't completely uncultured growing up because um, we go to like uh, events at the Phil Lamb Center in Waipahu because it was down the road from my parents' house. And like, we don't have all the other things that, you know, typical Filipinos would do. But I guess exploring my own identity as a Filipino and trying to understand just Filipino culture um, on my own terms was primarily during my freshman year of college because coming to the University of Puget Sound a very predominantly white institution in the suburbs of North Tacoma in Washington state. Um, I felt very much isolated, um, having been pretty much a part of the majority in Hawaii and then coming to this environment that I'm in now, it was very hard to 
be comfortable in the space because I didn't feel like it was a space for me. Um, not seeing other brown people was kind of a culture shock that I was warned about, but not fully prepared to handle. Um, and then, yeah, so kind of reconnecting with myself by connecting to my culture and trying to learn more about just different things about what it is to be Filipino, aside from food and like a basic Filipino American culture, like things that go all the way back to the homeland was something that I used to ground myself, especially within my studies, because I kind of focused a lot of the work that I did around Filipino Americans and immigration stories and understanding what it meant to be a new immigrant in the United States. <laughs> yeah, um, I think one thing that you mentioned is this kind of like um, idea of I, I didn't feel like I belong, but I feel like I did have this kind of privilege when I was back home because of how comfortable it was for you. Because everyone that you see here in Hawaii is like, um, you can easily identify. Um, and it was not as hard as it is up where you are, especially in the mainland. Um, but ha has there ever been a time in your life where you felt ashamed of being Filipino? Or embracing your Filipino heritage. Yeah, it was actually um, it was in middle school. So I went to the University Lab School of UH Manila. And before that, I went to a Catholic school in Kalihi, Saint Teresa. And pretty much everyone from Catholic school was Filipino, so I was like, "All right, that's fine." Everyone understands each other's culture. To um, UH Lab, I actually had my very first lunch bag moment. And I was like so thrown off by it because I was like, huh, not everybody actually eats Filipino food the way that I do. Um, I remember it specifically because it was a container of rice and something more than before. And on the side, my mom um some like fried fingers and chicharron with like sukat. And I was like, all right, this is a normal like lunch and snack. Um, <clears throat> but when I pulled out the peanut, but my some of my friends were like, "What is that?" And I like let them taste it, and they're like, "Ew, what, why are you eating that?" <laughs> I was like, "Okay, fair. Not everybody likes bitter melon." But then the other instance was with the pig ears, and I like offered some of my friends it, and they're like, "I don't like this," or like, "Why are you eating pig ears?" And I was like, "Does it taste good?" <laughs> I didn't know how to like respond in that situation, but like looking back on it, I was not prepared in a way to kind of have to explain like, oh yeah, this is just a regular snack and it's a lunch. Um, and yeah, I guess that was like one of the moments in which I felt ashamed to be Filipino in a way because people were kind of disgusted by the food that I ate. <laughs> I don't know, it's not like, specific to me but like i feel like that's a common experience among a lot of asian americans and filipinos altogether um in terms of not being comfortable sharing a piece of their culture thank you for sharing and yeah it, it comes with like really the aspects of like um being the only filipino or the only asian in a space where really that different yeah exactly <laughs> age gaps <laughs> even with the two age gap were, um, were they both 
are you all born here in Hawaii or did you for some born somewhere else? Uh no, we're all born in Hawaii. Yeah. Um as like siblings together, how close related are you? Uh, growing up, my older sister and I were relatively close, I guess, as kids. Um and then when my little sister was born, I kind of didn't like her <laughs> because I wanted a younger brother. Um and obviously didn't get that. Uh, and so I didn't really like her growing up. But um, since I've been away at college, and since she's like a little bit older, and like, we know how to like, actually talk to each other and have things in common now. Um, our relationship's gotten a lot closer, actually, within the past year, year and a half. Only reason why the reason being why I asked this is because like, especially as Filipinos in our, um, in our community, and guessing you're the middle child, yeah. um, <laughs> um, is navigating our culture and identity with our siblings how could you say did you really embrace your culture with them yes i can easily say that i've embraced like growing up i embraced the, our culture a lot more than they did um because in somehow in a way i was still able to understand our grandparents whenever they talked to us in ilocano uh, but my little sister and my older sister couldn't and so i guess it was just because i spent the most time with them um but kind of looking at how we've embraced our Filipino identity and culture growing up, um, I saw my sister embracing it more when she moved to college back in 2014. Um, and then I didn't really, when I, I was still in high school, so I didn't really understand why she was and like why it meant so much to her until I had to actually leave home and into the continent um, and see that, oh, was so now my culture and identity is such an integral part of who I am, and I didn't really realize that being in Hawaii. Um, my little sister, I can't really speak much for her. Um, I don't think she's gotten to that point yet, but um, she's planning on coming to the mainland or the continent for college, and so we'll see how that turns out for her. <laughs> yes, um, I guess. Um, since there is this kind of like direct um, emphasis of you and your closeness with your grandparents, um, I kind of wanted to focus in on that because yeah. um, I feel like they're, they played a really huge role um, in your life. And I wanted to kind of ask if you had any like memories or stories that they shared with you um, that you still remember to this day. The one that like comes to mind automatically is um, maternal grandparent grandparents is like immigration story. It's I don't know if my mom wants me to share it, but so I'm not <laughs> going to. But like that was one that uh, was kind of interesting because grandparents like had a courthouse wedding, <laughs> and um, three days later, my grandpa met my grandma's parents, and um, he moved to Hawaii because she got sponsored to uh, come over. By her older brother um and then i think it was like six to six or nine months after my uh, grandpa came um and i think that's all my mom would want me to share <laughs> but like <laughs> yes. it's it was a very like short and sweet love story and they kind of learned to love each other over time and i feel like that that's kind of an interesting way for like our family to be built off of um and then also my grandpa is like the oldest out of his siblings. And so when he came to the United States and then became a citizen, he was able to like bring over all of his siblings 
and then their families. And to this day, they're actually still working out, bringing everyone over to the United States. And to think that that all started because of meeting each other in a KFC in Manila. <laughs> yeah. Um, honestly, if if you find your fellow Filipino in anywhere, it really brings you closer. Um, I think there's a, I think it always goes around. I think I remember during the pandemic, someone said like, you can find your direct relative if you go to Seafood City or Island Pacific. Yeah. <laughs> Still always true Seafood to City. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, I guess one of the things that I kind of wanted to transition on um, and is this aspect of fascination towards your own culture and identity. Definitely. The thing that fascinates me a lot uh, that I've tried to, tried to slash still am exploring to this day is uh, the ways that Filipino culture is so inherently tied to colonialism. Um, specifically by the Spanish and then in ways by Americans. Yeah, that's actually something that I'm exploring with my current master's capstone, just looking into the ways that colonial mentality has impacted the way that uh, Filipinos and Filipino Americans alike um, interact with the, their own identities in, mm-hmm. in addition to the ways that they pretty much are... <sighs> but like just internalized oppression that we're not all aware of um and it's not something that's just specific to filipinos a lot of people who are from um cultural inherit culturally cultures and heritages that have um, been impacted by colonialism in the past all suffer from different types of uh results from colonial mentality um and it's just like a very interesting concept my frame like thinking of it is very much centered around mental health utilization and um health seek oh self-help seeking behaviors just because that's what i've been writing about for my uh capstone yeah it's just that's like the current thing that's fascinating me because we are the only catholic we're, we're the only asian group the only ethnic group in asia that that in itself is just very interesting to like look at and how the ways that that has shaped our society and like our mindsets and policies, legislation, politics, both here in the United States and in the Philippines. Um, And yeah, that's just something that fascinates me all the time that I like don't really understand how to like grasp like the sheer size of how much colonization has impacted us um, as people. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I I can really tell like the way that you were just talking, like how passionate, deeply passionate you are, and like you really want to continue to like learn more and like get a lot of the information. Um, the more that you talk. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's a such a broad topic, but so many things Liam mentioned it that it's so hard to understand a big picture wise you are absolutely correct like i think mental health is one of the most fascinating topic now that you mention it um especially because it's really intertwined with a lot of different aspects of ourselves and it is one of the most taboo in our community yeah. 
even exactly. if you see that it's kind of getting better um at some way or some point it's still very much stigmatized against um once you kind of go into the layers of like understanding our kind of filipino community and then you kind of like you thought that you kind of uncovered a layer and then there's another layer and then there's another layer i'm just like okay when is this gonna be over yeah exactly (laughs) uh now that you say that that also just reminded me of another thing that interests me about trying to understand my uh, culture or our culture um was just trying to see what filipino culture was before colonization i know that there's been like a lot of resurgence i guess of trying to understand what pre-colonial philippines was and how just i don't know how society was before the spanish came <laughs> like that in itself like trying to uncover those different layers of what our filipino identity is based off of and what it could have been is something that i still rattle with mentally um and it's just hard to come to terms with because i don't know I feel like we had such a vibrant community and culture and all of that just got erased because of Catholicism. And I know a lot of people will disagree with that or like get mad at me for blaming it on Catholicism, but like kind of the premise of colonization was to spread the word of God. And I'm like, all right, I believe in God too, but also it's like the ramifications it had on us as people is very hard to come to terms with. And and yeah, (laughs) now I feel like I'm rambling. (laughs) But also, no. yeah. Like, I think it, also, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, last one, I think. But like how Filipino culture is also so deeply intertwined with Catholicism, or like our current Filipino culture is very deeply rooted in Catholicism. I just have a very weird relationship with my with Catholicism as my religion now because of that um, realization slash uncovering history. And honestly, it's nice. It was nice being blissfully ignorant of those things, but it made me question a lot of my faith and just my relationship with God. And honestly, because of that, it made me feel like I was being a bad Filipino (laughs) because I I questioned the religion that I was raised up on. And I'm like, uh, I died in crisis. Honestly, not that you mentioned it, and like just really having the space, I think there is that there is validity in what you mentioned, and I think a lot of Filipinos who are listening um, right now, um, there is this sense of religious trauma that goes around that goes along trying to really unpack and uncover our own identity, um, especially because religion did play a huge role in why we are the way we are um and it's it's hurting to see that a lot of people kind of like stray away from i guess religion even though like um the like there is beauty in catholicism in the religion itself but at the same time the way that it's just um, how it's perceived, and there's a lot of contradictions through the teaching itself. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> if um, this is going to be like side 
off the tangent, but I do have, there was a study done last year. Uh, it was a, um, a study done last year about Filipino-American culture and Catholicism that are interconnected and how it affects with mental health. I can share with you that article after this interview. Definitely. <laughs> well, I'd love to take a read, yeah. But um, anywho, um, even I got sidetracked. <laughs> when we talk about, because um, we have this, um, I was in this um, group, um, internship program back in pandemic, and we had like this side conversation about like how Catholicism and just every time we talk about this topic, um, it, it comes up like, we go nonstop because it's something that yeah. really did affect us. So just like, um, <laughs> this will be in another conversation. <laughs> it's a conversation within itself. Um, yeah. But I guess to kind of summarize it, because I, I, I do say that um, I feel like as a community and as we continue to really uncover um, many lenses of who we are, um, it is coming to terms with knowing who we are as Filipinos and who we were before. Um, and I think that's so important to acknowledge because um, even um, the late Don Mabalan always say that no history, no self. If you don't know your history, you don't know yourself. Um, it's like the more that we learn ourselves, by going back to who we are um, prior to colonization, just learning who we are when, prior to where we, when we were born, um, it really gives us a sense of who we are. Um, and I think even the name that our parents gave us, like there's a reason behind the, those that kind of manifest in itself right now. Yeah, I definitely feel that. <laughs> um, so I guess a little segue into this is what is one thing that you want to share with your 12-year-old self? Oh, yeah. I was just like, <laughs> like have you stumbled? I could tell my 12 self. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say I would tell my 12-year-old self to give my parents grace and to give my my parents and my grandparents grace um because i remember being 12 and like i don't know just being very ignorant to a lot of the things that they tell me and i kind of just brush it off as being like oh it doesn't really mean anything but looking back um they're very insightful and i didn't really appreciate the things that they told me or um things that they shared with me until i it got to this big old age because <laughs> um, growing up I didn't I was like my dad would always tell us about our families coming out like coming to America story and I'd be like okay cool and next <laughs> and kind of just like brush it off as like nothing but now that I'm at this age where I'm like oh so that's actually really important to who I am and trying to understand like my own place in American society uh, with my Filipino identity, it's like, it kind of helps to ground me a little bit more. Um, and then also, I tell myself to give my 12, I would tell my 12 year old self to give our my parents and grandparents grace, because of the struggle that they went through and the ways that they act, the things that they say, um, they don't, I mean, to, to a degree, they do mean it. But also, it's like, that's like, 
their traditional conservative way of thinking, and that's nothing to hold against them. And because they came to the United States and brought me here, it's kind of like the whole piece of why I immigrants. Um, it was just something that I never really understood at that point that took me a lot of time to process now. Um, anger issues and just like XYZ things. Um, those are things that are just intrinsic to being kind of taken from your homeland and brought up in a new place and having to figure things out as you go and not having much headspace, both like physically and like metaphorically um, to like be able to process their emotions on why they're so stressed or why they act out the way that they do in certain situations. Um, and to a degree, it's like, okay, it's not always their fault, but sometimes it is. <laughs> but yeah, I'd be like, I definitely tell my my twelve year old self to give them grace because it did a lot for me, and I didn't really appreciate it until I had to move away and figure stuff out. I think it's really the a really beautiful way to put out there. Um, especially when it comes to our parents. Um, half of the times when we're like, like when we're young, we're just like, we all we think about is like, oh, they're telling us what to do. They don't give us freedom. But yeah. when, like right when we grow up, it's just like, oh, now I know why they were so harsh on me. Um, there was a lot of hidden, um, kind of like hold anger in that, hold resentment and remorse, remorse feeling that they had yeah um and i never understood until i'm on their shoes <laughs> exactly it's like they don't want me to make the same mistakes that they made or excuse me they don't want me to make the same mistakes or they just want me to kind of do the best make the best of the situation that i've been afforded and not to be like what's the word to not like act super privileged and like be like oh yeah this was given to me and now this is my life they want me to like always push forward for the next thing and mm -hmm. because they were so pushy i think i kind of resented them a little bit because of it <laughs> but it got me to where i am now like that's 24 i'm about to have a master's degree and that's like something that's super so i guess kind of uncommon to be like this young and early on in your career to have these opportunities that i've had no, it's just like looking back, I wouldn't have been able to achieve these things without was a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I think would it help if like they were also um if they also learned to um communicated their feelings when we were younger but again that's part of the intergenerational the intergenerational trauma that they faced when they were also growing up because they never learned that and they never learned coping mechanisms so we're learning we're we're learning for them and i think yeah. there is a good and i know there's a toxic side of it too but it's like the way that you put it yeah i really like it it's so interesting to see the way that uh, we're, we've been able to grow up compared to the way that they had to grow up. Um, and just like, dang, in, in retrospect, kind of have it easier than them. 
and and then in other ways we don't have it the same or like we have it harder and so it's kind of like trying to find that right balance to be like all right you, you did your best is is that all i can <laughs> yes and um kind of ending the podcast in a lighter note um what is a filipino dish that describes your personality you know that just because the bitterness and the sabao um but specifically because it's like pretty much a layered vegetable stew um in a way i'm exactly the same uh you won't be able to get to know me yet like uh at first um, the first time that we meet mm. like you have to get through the layers before you get to like know every single aspect of me and it's kind of hard like being that way this once you get to know me <laughs> <laughs> it's a very signature signature dish because not everyone will like me i mean just like peanut bet not everyone will like it um but those that do will appreciate it in the long run and so i guess i'm the same <laughs> you might not like me or the things that i say but once you get to know me you may or may not also like me as a person i guess <laughs> and yeah i think and i think i always ask this question especially at the end because like like food food also came in different ways and food was also colonized um but in a way filipino food is really different in a way describing yourself is just like what type of flavor do i give to people <laughs> <laughs> it's like is it something that people will like or will they hate it <laughs> and it's something to really it's a play a play on our ourselves exactly um but i think that's all the questions that i have um and i do have one last thing and that is if it, there's anything that you would like to share um to the listeners out there that you would want to list actually <laughs> oh, there go. so these aren't like things that are specific to me but are causes and uh movements that i wholeheartedly believe in to ensure equity and racial justice for all people involved um so one of them big one is to keep hawaiian lands in hawaiian hands a lot of the things that we see in hawaii especially as filipinos um things that we benefit from specifically are the effects of colonization and the overthrow of the hawaiian kingdom and in a way for us to support our hawaiian neighbors and kanaka people um we we have to get behind them in the movements that they in the movements and causes that they are uh, passionate about and we should also be passionate about because of the fact that as people that have come to hawaii through settler colonialism we benefit from the overthrow and the i guess erasure of their culture and history and we have to stand up for them and with them because it's not just on them it's on all of us to support hawaiian people we've seen the amount of things that have happened in the united states surrounding the essentially murder of black people um not very eloquently speaking about it but it's just something that is very uh hard to talk about just because of the ways that it has also impacted some of my friends 
um, support the next another one and once another one uh, it's just a um, this is something that has come up a lot specifically through my um public health courses and my current job uh, with the race and pedagogy institute at the university um is for to call on the united states to address the issues surrounding murdered and indigenous women um it's an issue that happens across the nation including hawaii and other places um but the ways that these women, these indigenous women are just disappearing from their communities and not being looked for, or the problem is not just being addressed through legislation or actual problems and policies to like help support them in these endeavors. It's something that I see as very important and something that the United States should do because of the way that they have displaced and essentially disenfranchised these indigenous communities historically. And so this is something that it can act on directly. Um, but yeah, and then the last one is that just those for Filipinos and non-Filipinos as well, but for like people need to look into their own histories and acknowledge the ways that they contribute and perpetuate settler colonialism in the ways that they interact and address slash push aside or ignore Hawaiian issues. Um, being from Hawaii, and coming to the United to the mainland, um, honestly, saying that it's in the United States, same difference because Hawaii is being illegally occupied, anyways. But um, yeah, just being aware of the issues that Hawaiian people are facing and helping them bring awareness to the plights of their people. It's honestly a plight of our all of our people because of the ways that the government historically disenfranchises communities of color throughout its history and just kind of supporting them along the way, not just monetarily, but like physically going to actual events, speaking up for people and being advocates for the change that they need in order to be able to survive in their homeland. Like I know Hawaii is home for us as Filipinos, but like there's other places we can go to, but Hawaiians, that, that's their homeland and we should support them in being able to stay in their homeland and not be priced out of paradise in the way that all of us are being priced out of paradise, but specifically them because where else are they going to go to? Um, yeah. <laughs> There's so many other things that I could like talk about that are slightly politically charged, but I feel like those are like the huge ones that I want to talk about. Oh, more recently, actually, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is your space. Sweet. Support trans lives. Uh, support non-binary people, support people of marginalized identities that have are currently being transcendent politically. Um, also, women's healthcare is a right, and I don't I don't care about um, the value and moral arguments surrounding women's healthcare, specifically around what they can 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 can't do with their own bodies. Sorry, a lot of these are related to just public health issues that I've just had to been reading up on and are just like always in my face because of like coursework. But they are also very personal to me in terms of supporting the people in my community, both here and abroad the United States. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the last of it, but <laughs> but thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Of course. And 
on the scene note, don't apologize at all. This is your time. This is your space. And those issues that you just mentioned are so important, especially being actively aware of what's going on um, and continuously going on. Um, the fight is always... The fight is always there and sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming but mm-hmm. as long as we have our community um here with us even when we have to take a step back because our own mental health is also important uh, we can't fight without focusing our own struggles too that's our exactly. biggest struggle <laughs> yeah because they so, collective efforts <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you once and for all for like, even like reaching out through the Pamayanan Hawaii, um, which is um, our, NAF, our little NAFCON chapter here in Hawaii. Um, it was really born between me and um, Dr. Arcelita, um, who really want to really bring this kind of change within our community here in Hawaii, I know that there's a lot of politics within the Filipino itself, but we need to continue to take care of ourselves first. And I think that's something that I've been hearing a lot. And yeah. with mental health, um, it's really practice what you preach. It's really focusing on your own needs because community will always be there for you at the end of the day. 